Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Maryland. This week we'll be taking a look at Parshat Kitisa. In this jam-packed Parsha, we jump back to the Jewish people at the foot of Mount Sinai, and we are witness to one of the most difficult and confusing moments in the entire Torah. While we also begin to understand what redemption and repentance looks like for a people that have sinned. In this Parsha, the Jewish people worship an idol, and at the foot of that holy mountain, Moshe smashes the Ten Commandments and then, ensu- and then secures repentance on behalf of his people. Kitisa has 139 verses and is the heart of the last five Torah portions of the book of Shemot. Here is Kitisa in seven parts. God tells Moshe to take a census of the Jewish people by collecting a half shekel to be dedicated to the Mikdash. Anyone aged 20 years and up shall give the half shekel whether they are impoverished or wealthy. God now instructs Moshe to create a copper basin which will hold the water for the Kohanim to wash their hands and feet with. It will stand in the courtyard of the Mikdash between the altar and the Mikdash entrance. Any time the Kohanim enter the Mikdash, or any time they offer a korban on the Alta altar, as explained by Rashi, they should wash their hands and feet. God now instructs Moshe to create the anointing oil by combining various ingredients. With this oil, the Mikdash and the Ark of the Covenant, the show table, the menorah, the incense altar, and the external altar, as well as all the utensils, will be sanctified. The Kohanim shall also be anointed with this oil. This consecrated oil shall be used only for sanctified purposes. God now instructs Moshe to combine various ingredients to create the incense. At the beginning of chapter 31, God instructs Moshe to trust Petzalel, the son of Uri, to be the architect of the Mishkan. His assistants will be Ohaliav, the son of Achisamach, and they will both design and craft the Mishkan and all of its furnishings. God now instructs Moshe to tell the Israelites to keep Shabbat and protect it well to avoid the death penalty. Six days a week you should work, and on the seventh day you should rest. Shabbat shall be a sign of the commitment between God and the Israelites. And so ends part one. Part two. Vayar ha'am kiposhish Moshe. Hang on, because this is a long part. God now gives Moshe the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. Chapter 32 begins the presentation of the golden calf incident. Moshe's return from the from atop the mountain seems to be delayed and the people grow restless. They grow concerned. They approach Aaron and he tells them to start a fundraising campaign, collect all the gold and all the earrings and all the jewelry. Aaron takes all that they had gathered and throws it into a fire mold, which makes it into a golden calf. The Israelites seem to declare this golden calf a god. When Aaron sees what is happening, he builds an altar and suggests that tomorrow will be a festival, a festival to the one true God. 
the Israelites wake up early and enthusiastically the next day for their planned festival. God tells Moshe to descend the mountain because the Israelites are really up to no good. God's anger flares up and Moshe implores God that the exodus not go to waste. Moshe implores God to remember his commitment to Avraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov. And God rescinds his threat of punishment against the Israelites. Even before Moshe goes down the mountain, he is protecting his precious people. Moshe descends the mountain with the two tablets of stone that God gave him. And upon meeting him halfway down the mountain, Yehoshua says, It sounds like there is a war in the Israelite camp. And Moshe responds, although the Ibn Ezra suggests that this was actually said by Yehoshua, that the noise isn't war, but it's a sound of joy. It was confusing. Halfway down the mountain, they didn't know what to expect. When Moshe approaches the camp, he sees the idol. He is shocked and shatters the tablets of stone given to him by God. He takes the golden calf and casts it into the fire and grinds it into a fine powder. He places the powder in water and makes the Israelites drink the water. Moshe asks Aaron to clarify <laughs> what exactly happened here. And Aaron pl- blames the evil people. Moshe stands at the edge of the camp and asks, Mi la Hashem Eli, who is still with God? The tribe of Levi steps forward and is instructed to kill all those who worship the idol. They kill 3,000 of their brothers on that day. Moshe returns to God to secure forgiveness for the people. Moshe famously says to God that if he destroys the Israelites, Moshe himself would want, would want no part of, of being recorded in the Torah. God sends a plague amongst the people. And God tells Moshe at the beginning of chapter 33 that he will not be manifest within the people, but ra- will rather send an angel to lead them to the promised land. Upon hearing this, the people went into mourning, overwhelmed by depression and emotion. Moshe moves his tent outside of the camp, separating himself from the people. The people saw this and recognized that when Moshe entered the tent, it would be consumed by a cloud, and that Moshe was now conversing with God on a different level. He no longer needed to climb the mountain. He could stay outside the camp of the people and speak face to face with the Almighty. And so ends a very long part two. Part three. Vayoma Moshe el Hashem re'ei ata omer elai ha'al es ha'am hazeh. Now Moshe speaks to God and says that he has listened to God's instructions to lead the people And Moshe would like to understand more clearly the ways of God so that he can be obedient. God responds that he will indeed lead the people. He will be there with Moshe. Moshe also mentions that the Israelites were still the people chosen by God. And God responds that he will lead the people. He insists that he will still be present. Moshe insists that they not leave Mount Sinai without God at their helm without God at their front, leading them away to reassure the people that they remain in the favor of God. Rashi, chapter 33, verse 16, points out that God's company will prove 
that the Israelites remain the chosen people. And so ends part three. Part four. Hareini na eskvodecha. God says to Moshe that he will do what has been requested due to the favor that Moshe has in God's eyes. Moshe requests to experience God as fully as possible. Rashi chapter 33 verse 18 says that Moshe sees he is being successful in his requests from God and wants to utilize this moment for a greater connection for making the ultimate request. Perhaps it's a favorable moment for Moshe to ask to experience God. God says that no human can see or experience God, but he will pass by Moshe and he will, he will see God from behind. God places Moshe in a crevice in the rock, shields Moshe with his hand and passes by. God removes his hand and Moshe was able to see the spirit of God from behind. And so ends part four. Part 5. God instructs Moshe to carve two new tablets of stone, just like the first ones that were shattered. In the morning, Moshe is to ascend Mount Sinai alone. And so Moshe does so. He carves two stones and he brings them up Mount Sinai. God manifests his presence on the mountain in a cloud and introduces Moshe to the 13 attributes of God's mercy, suggesting that this would be a formula for the Jewish people for achieving forgiveness in the future. Moshe prostrates himself and again requests for God to manifest his presence among the people. And so ends part five. Part six. God makes a new covenant with the Israelites, instructing them to be careful about the instructions they receive, and promising that he, God, would lead them in conquering the promised land. Be careful in any other covenants you may create with the inhabitants of the promised land, and destroy their places of idol worship, including their altars, lest you be enticed to worship their gods and sacrifice at their altars. God says to observe the holiday of Matzot for seven days in the springtime. Every firstborn shall be dedicated to God in six days a week. You shall work, while on the seventh day you shall rest. Observe the holidays of Shavuot and the Chag HaAsif. Three times a year you shall appear before God in the Mikdash, while being careful to refrain from offering any sacrifice with leavened breads. You shall bring the first fruits to God and refrain from cooking a kid goat in its mother's milk. And so ends part six. Part seven. God tells Moshe to write these instructions down, for these words solidify a new covenant. Moshe was with God for 40 days and nights without drinking or eating anything. He inscribed on the, ten ta- on the tablets the Ten Commandments, and when he came down the mountain with the two tablets of stone in hand, Moshe was not aware that his skin had become radiant. Aharon and Israel saw Moshe's radiance and they grew fearful. Moshe speaks with them, sharing everything that he had learned from God. 
When Moshe finishes speaking, he covers his face with a veil, and he would remove the veil whenever he would teach Torah. The Arachayim, chapter 34, verse 35, points out that the Torah repeats that Moshe's face is radiant to teach us that this radiance was, was not residue from his time on top of Mount Sinai, but rather was a permanent change in his disposition that accompanied him for the rest of his life. And so ends Parshat Titisa. Thank you for joining us in our summary of Parshat Kitisa. This has been Parshat Napad. My name is Yechiel Shafer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. If you've enjoyed this, please rate us on your podcast listening uh, device. Share our podcast and subscribe. Quick thought on the Parsha as a whole. It seems like the Parsha is all jumbled up. It's the classic Parsha of Einam Muktam Umu'chabra Torah. There is no historical order or precedence within the Parsha. You have to understand that the order of the Parsha is constructed to teach us a lesson. It's well worth paying attention to how the Parsha unfolds, beginning with the instruction to collect machetzit shekel, to collect a half shekel, showing the equality amongst all the Jewish people, no matter whether you're rich or you're poor, and concluding by showing Moshe's brilliance, his radiance, showing that he has achieved a stature and a status that no Jew has ever achieved. I wonder if the Parsha begins by stating the equality of all the Jewish people and concludes by the brilliant stature of, the Jew- of Moshe Benu to teach us that it is indeed possible for any of us to achieve that status. Yes, Moshe was the one who led us out of Egypt and he was the one who intervened on behalf of the Jewish people throughout this Parsha, but we should not think that he was exceptional. Rather, he achieved everything he could achieve. And if we pursue that same radiance, we too could achieve it in the way we are supposed to. Thank you for listening. This has been Parsha on a Pod.